Paul Marion. Indiana Jones. Hello. Use the false Spider friends, go for it! Transform and roll out. And I'll form the head. That's what she said. Don't! Hey, this is Jonathan. And this is Alan, and welcome to the Nerd Me Podcast. Jonathan, what are we talking about today? Alan, today we're going to climb in the Wayback Machine, and we're going to discuss our favorite, or some of our favorite at least, albums from the 90s. Uh, we're talking complete albums, front to back, first song to last. You know, it's funny when you say front to back. I wonder if some kids hey, have no idea what you're talking about, that there's a B-side, you know? Yeah, well, I say album, and I lose them. <laughs> yeah. you're right so, yeah. yeah because i mean to, to kids today you say cd and they, they're like what <laughs> so, I'll, I'll... hey you ever see those videos online where a parent would give their kid like like a cassette and they're like open it and they're like totally fumbling they have no idea how to use it it tickles me or no. how to use like a rotary phone that's awesome yes i saw that one the two teenage boys that didn't know how to use the phone it's <laughs> good that's, stuff. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And it just reminds us how old we are. Yeah. And the technology. Oh, no, it's funny. So I was like, so I keep my, um, my entire record collection, for lack of a better term. Um, it's on my iTunes, but I keep it on an old iPad Touch that I just keep in my car all the time. So it's like You're a kidding. mini jukebox. So I don't have to take. Yeah. So it's probably like. I think it's a total of maybe 40 gigs for my entire music collection. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, my phone, I always buy the, like, the, I have my phone, I think it's like 32 gigs because I don't store a lot of pictures a lot. But I'm, I'm thinking about upgrading phones. And I'm like, oh, like I could get like a stupid amount of gigs on a phone now. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I, I won't need my iPod touch anymore. I'm like, <laughs> and I just start thinking, like, it's amazing how far technology has come in regards to how much data how much storage you can have just on a phone now remember when like a like a 500 gigabyte external hard drive was a cool thing to have oh yeah and now they can do that in a in a pen drive or whatever they're called yeah terabytes it's it's unbelievable but you never thought about doing like spotify or anything like that or what's the other one popular one no is it shazam no I don't know well, Amazon has one. I, I don't honestly. I don't know how to use it. My my niece tried to teach me how to use it because she's like, because I'm like, oh, you gonna? She asked me for music recommendations. I started writing a list for her. She goes, no, just send me a Spotify list playlist. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, God. No, because I when I try, maybe because I'll pay them, but I'll I'll try to I'll put a song in, and like, oh, you have to be a premium member for the song. Here's something else that sounds like it. I'm like, I don't want, or they'll give me songs. Not the song I want, but songs from the same person. I'm like, this isn't the song I want to play. So, <laughs> do you, do you sure look up songs on YouTube of... at least? I will, yeah, yeah. But yeah. you know, I have, you know, I have everything on my my Mac, and I uh, I can play through the speakers at home. Uh, Dude, I mean, I'll that... use, uh huh, because I, I have an Amazon Prime. I have Amazon Prime, but I don't. You have to pay extra for the music, which I didn't know when I signed up for Prime. I thought it included it. Yeah, I thought you he included to, it. 
No, you don't get unlimited or whatever. Oh. You get a certain like library. Like, because they're, they're like, oh, you'll have access to four million songs or something like that. I'm like, oh, that's plenty. I can't tell you how many times I asked it to play a song. Like, oh, you have to upgrade the Amazon Unlimited. I'm like, how am I picking? You have four million songs. How am I picking all the ones that you don't have? <laughs> it's ridiculous. So, so I have that. I have a Spotify and a Pandora account, but I, Pandora. I legit don't know how. And Pandora is the one where, like, you put in a particular song, and they won't, you know, they'll they will play that exact song. They'll play songs like that song. I'm like, this is not how I want any of this to work. Because for me, it's gotten to the point where these apps, which are supposed to make life easier, are more difficult than me just pulling it up on my iPod or something, you know? Right, right. You know, uh, I I got, well, let's see. My daughter wanted Spotify like maybe two or three years ago. She's, in, you know, she's listened, she's really into music and stuff and she'll get lost in it. And she likes, you know, music that she grew up with, which is basically my music. And, uh, and I think with Spotify, you have like four or five accounts. So I said, oh, I'll take an account. I, 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 I don't know what I would do with myself without Spotify at this point, you know. And, and here's the funny thing. Does, I, I, I play the, the, the same garbage over and over again. I haven't but I mean, does it work that way? Like if you want to hear a particular song, you can just put that in and I'll play it? Yeah, because we have a membership, so we actually get to listen to the song oh. that we, we want, you know. So, And what's cool about it, too, is that if, if I hear a song – and there's a way where like it'll just run music that's similar to it, so it creates like a little playlist. I don't have to look up songs; it yeah, gives it me music. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. But, but see, I, I don't like first of all that whole thing, and with iTunes and buying digital music and even digital movies, I need a physical copy. Like I have a physical copy of Blu-ray of all the Marvel movies. But like, and you know me, I I, I used to buy DVDs like a crazy person. I don't do that anymore. And yeah. my Blu-rays are really movies I know I really, really want. But I still, I will still buy a hard copy of every Springsteen album. He put one out last year. I bought the hard copy of it. Um, and if I really like an album, I'll buy the hard copy of it, a CD of it, just to have it. Because I don't like this idea that, like, you have permission to watch a movie or something after you paid for it. And it can just disappear or something like that. I don't know. I just don't, I don't like that. Yeah. Do you feel that way because you're more you you are a collector of things? You know, having that physical copy feels better for you. And stuff? Yeah, probably. I, I just have these visions of being in my in the old folks' home. Yeah. Just watch watch my Blu-rays and listening to my CDs. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, know, it's, you know, technology will be by that time. Probably be able to shoot it right into your brain or something. I'm like, no, I'll just listen to my CD. And... <laughs> you know, I, I actually do have like uh, some laser discs. <laughs> from from the Indiana Jones movies, and I never opened them. I just have them, just cause, you know. My wife right. said, "Well, what, what are you gonna do with it?" I'm like, "You know, nothing. <laughs> I can't play it." I'm going to possess them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're we're doing '90s albums, right? Is that what we're doing? Yeah, we did our '80s albums already. Um, so I figured we move up. Uh, you know, it's we've been doing the show for ten years now, Alan. So it's we finally moved <laughs> into the '90s. Yeah, yeah why not? Let me tell you. Hey, I, full confession so, yeah, so, uh, Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, so, yeah, when it comes to 90s, I don't know if I said this before, the 90s I, I struggle with. N- not that I don't like music, but, um, you know, I, I, didn't li- I didn't watch a lot of movies. I didn't watch a lot of TV. I didn't even listen to a lot of music. And so Jonathan and I were talking about, like, some albums and songs, you know, before the show. And 
I'm sitting there, and I, you know, but open Spotify. I was like, whoa, there's a lot of these things I am completely unfamiliar with. I'm familiar with some of the band names, but other than that, some music stuff I, I really struggle with. As a matter of fact, looking at my list, I would say it's it's really early, early 90s. I couldn't even come close to anything like mid-90s and beyond. Yeah, I think only one of my albums is like late 90s. I, I will say this. For me... Because I, with college, I listen to music all the time. I walk around campus with my my Walkman on. I'd sit in the library. I because I'm I'm the type of guy I need. I study. I type my papers. I need noise in the background, so I'd always yeah. have music on. And plus, we didn't have cable in the dorms or anything, so I was more you know if I was just bumming around in the in the apartment, I'd be listening to music more so than watching TV, yeah. and like doing doing stuff around the apartment. Um, also, a lot of the jobs I had, you know, that the 90s was adulthood. It was, it was my 20s leading into my 30s. And, you know, when I got out of school and I got jobs, I had, you know, I was driving an hour to work, an hour home. Uh, you know, if I was taking, when I was getting my, uh, when I was in graduate school, I was driving 40 minutes to school, 40 minutes back. So I was in the car a lot and I would just listen to albums, all like CDs all the time, um, which is why I think, more so than my 80s. Well, maybe not true. But I think in the 90s, I listened front to back albums a lot more than I obviously we do now. Because right now, I don't even know people that listen to whole albums. I, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, yeah, for me, music became much more important in, in my 20s going to my 30s. And I mean, it was really important in high school. But yeah, like it just, it just, it was the one through line through college and, and adulthood and stuff like that. And it's the first time like music had, you know, not, not like high school crushes, but like music really w- was there for, you know, relationships and just these, these moments in your life that you have as you go through your twenties, you know, your friends getting married and your jobs and graduating and all this stuff, you know? So music was, was, I was able to put music, a meaning to a lot of the music, especially the music i picked for today oh cool so a lot of the albums you picked have like a deeper meaning to you yeah yeah i would say so and uh, it was funny is i want to piggyback on what you said about um trying to pick the albums and looking on spotify so i went i googled top 100 albums like i had a good three or four that i like off the top of my head but i'm like oh let me get see if one more one or two more i googled top 100 albums in the 90s i I looked at like three different lists one of them was the rolling stone list and i just realized like i am when it comes to music, Alan, I am not cool because I like <laughs> none of these. Not only did I not have them, like I actively didn't like some of these people on these lists. Man, <laughs> I'm glad you said that because I did the same thing. I looked at the list and I look at the the, the albums and the groups. I was like, "Whoa, this is gonna be tough." Because I mean, like I said, I could be familiar with some of the names, but I would definitely say I couldn't say, "Oh yeah, I know that song from that album." And so I really had to think back, like, "Okay, I'm in college." You know, what albums did I have with me that I just played, like, a lot, you know? And that's how yeah. I came up with my list, you know? But, yeah, that, that Rolling Stone list, it, it, it kind of scared me, like, wow. In one decade, I got lost. You know, you throw me in the 80s, and I can name them all day. Throw me in the 90s, yeah. and it's, it's, it's a big turnaround. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell the audience right now. Um, Nirvana Never in Mind is not one of my choices or one of Alan's. And it's probably one of, it's probably the biggest album of the nineties. And I had Nevermind, I listened to Nevermind. It just didn't and it's good music. Aesthetically it's good music. It just 
I didn't relate to it. I couldn't connect it emotionally to anything that was going on in my life at the time. Um, I never listened to Radiohead, and that they, they had like two or three albums on there. Uh, just these these huge out like Bell and Sebastian apparently had this huge album. Just a I'm looking through this top 100. I'm like, uh, yeah, I did not listen. I, I'm not saying I didn't listen to good music. I'm saying I didn't listen to what was considered the best music of the 90s. So yeah, I'm just putting that out. So if you're looking for some in-depth musicology class, <laughs> you're not going to get that. Well, the '90s was tricky, and you know, like when I think about like '90s albums, I would say like '80s was probably like if you had to think hard rock. You know, hard rock was out there, like Twisted Sister, Metallica, ACDC, and then and then towards like the end of the '80s, it was like White Snake. I think was one of the bands and winger right. and not saying they're a hard rock, but like it's when it's, it started to spill into the nineties, but there was a big change, you know? So you mentioned like Nirvana, I guess they call it grunge music and stuff. And so it's, it's like, it was like a big turnaround kind of like, dude, I remember when I was a kid, the big change from disco to rock and roll. I mean, disco was huge for a right. lot of people. And I remember as a kid, yeah. I was like, Oh, disco. No, nah, that's not my thing, you know, but it, it, boom, seventies, eighties, it was like a light switch. Something changed, and and I felt the same thing happen when I was looking through the albums from the eighties to nineties. It was like it was like a light switch. Boom! Here's a new decade. Here's a new thing of music, and it was it was totally off my radar, you know. And well, yeah. it's it's you know we we talked about it in our our eighties hair bands episode how grunge just totally like halted that whole era of music. Like it didn't slowly change. It just stopped. Like. Yeah. You went from Guns you went from Guns N' Roses Appetite for Destruction to Nirvana Nevermind. And it was a complete 180 in what was happening and what what was considered good music. I mean Guns N' Roses was still popular, but there was just a tonal popularity shift with that. Mm-hmm. Um and we were we were we were the beneficiaries of MTV when they had music. And MTV was ridiculously influential. And whatever MTV said was good was what was going to sell and what was going to be good. And, you know, most of the time they were right. I mean, they did put over a lot of pop acts. Um, but Well, even groups know, like Metallica this, changed their tone, right? They went from, like, really super heavy to getting a lot of radio play, which was weird, you know, for, for a group yeah. like Metallica. Yeah. And they, they also got um, – it was the rise of alternatives. So – you know, when I when I was in high school, we always heard about alternative rock, like college rock, and REM was like a mainstay of that. And they they kind of hit, you know, they had a hit with the one I love, and it's the end of the world as we know it. And then um, Green comes out, and they get and they you know Stand, which is really kind of a jokey song for them, like their version of Oh, Let's Write the Pop song. Mm-hmm. It became huge. It became huge, and then. The first album I want to talk about is R.E.M. Out of Time, which came out in 90, 91 or 90 or 91. Mm-hmm. Um, it just exploded. Uh, and alternative rock was a thing. You know, alt rock was like there. It wasn't just underground. It wasn't just college rock anymore. It was alternative. It was its own genre um, that more than just college students were listening to. Um so uh, yeah, out of time came out in 1991. I have a great story about this too. So I was a, I was a freshman in high school. No, I wasn't. I was a freshman in college, <laughs> and um, I got my first credit. Remember, remember at school, the credit card people were there, like get a free tote bag or something if you sign oh, up for yeah. a T-shirt. Yeah. So I I got in the credit. I'm I'm 
18 and I get a credit card with a $500 limit and the thing was burning a hole in my pocket, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> and I was waiting for this album for, since like green had come out in, in, in the late eighties. This was REM's next album. And I had a friend, uh, a friend of mine who drove, I didn't drive on campus and like arrived to class. I'm like, can you please drive me to the record store so I can buy this album? And she did. And we went there and I don't know if the guy was lying or not. He's like, Oh, we, we sold out of the, the normal, whatever. We only have like the, the, uh, special edition. Yeah. Which went from like a ten ninety nine CD to a twenty five dollars CD, <laughs> um, which is like a ninety one was a lot for an eighteen year old with no job. And uh, I put it on my first thing I ever, first purchased ever on a credit card in my entire life was REM Out of Time Special Edition CD. Wow. Yeah. Felt like a big boy, huh? And, <laughs> uh, no, man. It was so funny. I was like, oh my god, how am I going to pay this off? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I didn't care. I, I, had, I had my CD. I loved it. Um, the biggest hit, I think, when, when people talk about out of time, the biggest hit is probably, well, not even probably, it's losing my religion. Yeah. Uh, really catapulted them into popularity and mainstream rock. And I saw a, um, there's a great podcast called, oh, man, no, I don't remember it. Heard of me? No, well, yeah, there's that, but um, <laughs> it's it's. See, I'm confused. I listen to these two different podcasts. One's called the Great Song Podcast, mm-hmm. where they talk about individual songs. But then there's another one I can't remember. Can't remember the name of it, and they turned it into a Netflix show. And this, and they have an episode on losing my religion, and I watched it like a few months ago. And they were, if you listen to Losing My Religion, it didn't sound like anything that was on the radio at the time. Yeah. So they. You know, it's not that they didn't want to make the song, but they really they didn't want to release it as I think it was their first single because they didn't think it would do well, and it just exploded. and And they talk about how they were kind of shocked that it was embraced and loved by people. Um, and it's it's really just a great song. It's a really really good song. Um, but that beyond that, the whole album from start to finish is just really really good. There's three songs on there. That uh, Kate Pearson from the B-52s, she's the short redhead. Oh, yeah. Woman. Uh-huh. She she sings back up on three songs, and I've always liked her voice. Um, when her and the other, I can't remember her name, the other female from the B-52s, I think when they harmonize, it's, like, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, uh, the one people probably know her on is Shiny Happy People. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which which gets a lot of crap as, like, a poppy song, but I, I really like Shiny Happy People. I think it's a really good song. Uh, she was on that one. She was on um, Me and Honey, which is the last song in the track of the album. And Near Wild Heaven, maybe? I'm not sure. And then the rapper KRS-One is on their first song, Radio Song, uh, which is good. But my absolute favorite song, the song I, I would ask, any of our listeners, and I'm going to ask you, Alan, to take a listen to, is um, Texarkana.
makes Texarkana really good mm-hmm. is it's sung. It's not sung by um, Michael Stipe. It's sung by uh, Mike Mills. Maybe I think his name is Mike Mills. Yes, who was a uh, one of the guitarists. Um, but he does such a great job. I mean, he does backup vocals anyway. But he he does such a great job on it. There's a nice. Simple but really cool bass line that runs through the whole song that I really like, and um, it's just it's just good. And this album features like the mandolin very heavily on a lot of songs, <laughs> which you know in 1991 the mandolin wasn't that big of a of an instrument. Um, but yeah, it's just just a great song from beginning to a uh, great album from beginning to end, and one of my all time. And look it, for REM, REM the 90s was REM's decade more so than the 80s, and um, after this, they released Automatic for the People, which had the ridiculously huge hit Everybody Hurts on it. Um, but that, like, it was really hard for me to pick which album, but I chose Out of Time because of its connection to college and my first credit card and the friend that took me to it a ride. And just, uh, this is an album, I listened to it recently, too. Like, well, I listen, I'm, I listened to it today because we're doing a show, but even before we, we planned on doing a show, I had listened to it recently. Um, it's one I could put in, listen to front to back, and even hit repeat so I can hear the whole thing again. Um, I like it so much. So this is de- a definite, like, uh, a high recommend album for you. Yeah, this is one. Of, yeah, if you like anything from R.E.M., you will love this whole album. Yeah, I, I would definitely recommend this to anybody that, that likes any of R.E.M. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, that's very cool. R.E.M., you know, that was a group... That I, I think I'm only familiar with the ones that just came right off the radio and stuff, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I think I'll, I'll try. I'll try and give that album that you recommend and give it a shot and see how that looks, see what it's like. Yeah, actually, I think you would probably like Automatic for the People more. Okay. Um, Is that the name of the album? Yeah, Automatic for the People's name of the album. That's the one that has everybody hurts on it, but it's more. Because I know you like Van Halen and those, like, I think you like instruments. I think you like good musicians. I mean, they're good musicians on all their albums. Yeah. But I think Automatic is a little bit more harder. Than, okay. Um, but listen to, both, listen to all of it. <laughs> yeah, I'll give it a shot. Well, speaking of Van Halen, Jonathan, uh, my, my first album on this list. And so uh, I would say a lot of the picks I chose here um, probably do reflect because I do play the guitar. And at this point in my life in the 90s, I would say I'm an experienced guitar player, you know, like I would say, like I picked up the guitar back in, oh, I don't know, in 84 and I was playing some ACDC Def Leppard, you know, simple things. And, you know, my hands weren't as good as they were back in the nineties, where in the nineties, I think I was very good in the sense that, you know, Van Halen was one of those guys where, okay, I can do this. And uh, the album I'm going to bring up is called For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge. Um, it's it's the Big Red album, which is pretty cool. And Van Halen, they have like weird album titles. Like one, it was like 5150, which I think is like the police code for like crazy person. And then the album before this was called, you know, OU812, like OU8 and the number one and two. W- weird names, but right. yeah. For Unlawful Carnal Lounge. So this was a cool album for me. And um, this was this was like a big thing. I I'm not too sure if this is the album... It could be OU812, where Eddie actually went away from the Fender Strat. Remember he had the Frankenstein guitar with all the stripes and stuff? Right. I, th- I don't know if it was this one or maybe it was the previous one where he started to uh, like build and design his own guitars. And th- this one is a big standout. 
couple cool songs, and this is the song where where Eddie used like a like an electric drill, I think, as like and he and he runs it over his humbuckers to create that really deep grinding sound, which is really awesome. And and uh, and yeah, I did that. I I, <laughs> I didn't have I didn't use like electric drill, but I had like a, something that was mimicking the sound of a drill, and I couldn't believe it actually works. And I would play that stupid song over and over again. And uh, in college, I, 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 you know, I didn't which, live on which campus. Was uh, that one's called Pound Cake. Oh, okay. And uh, and you remember the place I used to stay at, at school, right? Because I, I didn't live on campus. I, right. I lived off of campus. And uh, and I am so surprised that, like, my neighbors didn't call the association on me because I would play my guitar and play Van Halen, like, really super loud and just, you know, play it, like, all night long. And this is a good album. It has a lot of good songs on there. Pound Cake, I, Pound Cake is probably, I, I, I think it's its most popular song on the album. I think number two would probably be called Runaround. Um, right Now, maybe that, that was pretty big, and Top of the World. I would say those are probably the four big titles on that album. Uh, there's a song called 316, which is dedicated to his son Wolfgang, who was born on March 16th. Uh, fun album. Sammy Hagar, Eddie Van Halen, Michael Anthony, Alex Van Halen. Uh, I God, I think they made one album after this called Balance, and that was it for them. I think that's when the band broke up, uh, Sammy left, and the guy from Extreme, Gary Sharone, mm-hmm. I think is was his it- name. No? Yeah, Gary Sharon, I think. Sharon, yeah, joined, that and that, that's a whole different story. But this is probably one of their cooler albums to me. Uh, so it's it's a recommend. If you like music, I, I remember our, our buddy Jay did top, did he do top five or top ten greatest al- uh, guitar players? And how do you not have Eddie on that list? And oh, my God, the, when the guy passed away, wow, talk about broken heart, man. I, I, and I was really he, quiet about it, too. <laughs> wait a second. Eddie Van Halen wasn't on Jay's list? He was. Oh, okay. How could he not? Um, yeah. Well, the only, I, I remember, like, I don't remember in my head. I'm sure if I heard Pound Cake, it would sound familiar. Run Around, I listened to before we did the show. That definitely sounded familiar. But right now, I, I don't know if you remember, but remember that was the Pepsi Clear theme? Oh, yeah, you're right. Yes. And right. right now was huge. In fact, I mean, right now was huge and a great song, but once Pepsi used it, like, people started hating the song. <laughs> but yeah, right now was a big song. Didn't you find it weird sometimes, like like when Van Halen did that? Like there was a time where I would say, "Oh man, they sold out," you know. But nowadays, dude, I hear like ACDC in everything, <laughs> like in movies, commercials. Oh yeah, well, it's, 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 it's insane. That's that's because that's because records don't sell anymore. So they, <laughs> you know. That's right. Yeah, everybody's sitting out there. I mean, look, look, was it uh, is it Led Zeppelin? They lease all no, the Who. They lease all their songs out to CSI. Every CSI theme is a, is a Who song. I didn't know that. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like the Who. Yeah. So I, I mean, I remember for unlawful Carnal carnal knowledge that came out in '91 also. Um. Yeah, I remember you listening to a lot in your dorm. I'm mean, not your dorm, your apartment. Yeah, it was mostly Van Halen stuff. I, like I said, I'm very one dimensional. If it has a, if they have a good guitar <laughs> player, I'm most likely following them. And I'll be honest with you, dude. I just, I don't even listen to the lyrics half the time. Listen, if you if you are a big Van Halen listener and you are following with David Lee Roth, those lyrics make no sense at all. You listen to the <laughs> lyrics to Panama, it doesn't make any sense to me. But I'm not 
listen to Van Halen because of the lyrics. I'm listening to Van Halen for for Eddie, you know, for for him to right. do his thing and yeah. And um, for unlawful unlawful carnage, this this was a cool album because I think this is probably one of the. I, if I can recall, I think I can play almost every song on this album. If I can recall this one and OU812, I think I devoured those two albums pretty well. Because like I said, I finally had the skills to play like Eddie. Uh, unlike when I was, like I said, in the early 80s, I, I, just, I, right. I just couldn't do it. <laughs> now, was 316 a uh, instrumental? So yeah, it's just Eddie playing his, cool. it's just him playing his guitar. It's it's a soft kind of sound. Um Sure. Got out. It's probably like only like a minute and a half, maybe. I'm guessing. Three sixteen. Have to take a look. Uh, three. Okay. So, yeah, it is a minute and a half. A minute and twenty nine seconds. So, which is the song you recommend if you want to know this album? Which What's the one song you would recommend? So God, I, I think the most popular would probably be Pound Cake, but I just personally like Run Around because I like the video. <laughs> <laughs> The video was fun, yeah. They're on the like they're standing on the stage on this like if you can imagine like like a turntable, like the whole thing was like rotating and stuff. Right. Yeah. So the the video is cool, but I, I would say pound cake's good. <laughs> okay. We'll give that a listen then. Yeah, there you go. Well, that's cool. Um, my next album came out a year later, September of 1992. Mm. Um, this was a band that did very well in the 90s. I could have chosen any of one of their three or four releases that came out in the 90s, but I chose their first one. Um, and they got a lot of slack for this for sounding like they were accused of sounding like Pearl Jam or trying to be like Pearl Jam. And funny thing is, I never. I always prefer this band over, like, I like Pearl Jam, don't get me wrong, but I prefer this band over Pearl Jam uh, and Stone Temple Pilots. And I chose their debut album, Core. And this is just, this is, um, this is a Dwight Schrute getting ready for a job interview type of thing. <laughs> you know, you just, you, you, you blast it in the stairwell and you, and you rock out, or you blast it in your fans' and you awesome. rock out. Um, <laughs> It's not kickstart my heart, but it's, it's good. Um, no, I so love that scene. Give me the keys. <laughs> you gonna do that thing? Give me the keys. Like <laughs> Motley Crew. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, so I, it starts with a dead and bloated, and goes right into a sex type thing. Uh, Wicked guard. First of all, these are some of the. This was like a true. It's 1992. I'm 20 years old. No, I'm not 20 yet. My birthday. When this album came out, my birthday was coming up. So I'm 19. And um, this was, I mean, like, this was the hardest rock and roll album I had listened to because it was like Def Leppard, Motley Crue, Poison, all those guys I listened to in the 80s. They were, they were, they were hard, harder rock, but it felt more manufactured because they were going for that look and they were going for that uh, reputation, that bad boy reputation. These 
to me, Stone Temple Pilots just sound like a bunch of friends that got together. They're really, really, really good musicians and singer friends that got together and just wanted to rock out. And it's so heavy. The beats are awesome. Scott Weiland, who um, passed away very much too soon, has one of the more unique voices I ever heard. And he was just spectacular on on everything he did. And this is right before they kind of drifted into uh, Led Zeppelin territory with the mm-hmm. later albums. Um, sounding like Led Zeppelin, a little bit like Led Zeppelin. Is it Led Zeppelin? I'm getting confused with the who. No, it's Led Zeppelin, <laughs> I think. Um, but this album, it just, it just, it's just a heavy guitars, drum, bass. This is this is what would have happened if I took more than my five drum lessons when I was like 13 years old. Like this is what I could have been if I <laughs> could have been you. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking dead and bloated sex type thing. Wicked Garden, um, Plush, and Cracker Man are some of the rockinest songs you'll ever hear on, on an album. Um, and they, you know, with those heavier songs, they, and, uh, they put things like creep in there, which is, which was a huge hit for them. their big hit was plush, which I think you actually recorded me singing once and put it in our blooper reel for our anniversary. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That was good. That was their biggest song for this album was plush. Um, it was fantastic. Uh, but this album from start to finish and where the river goes, which at the time was an eight minute song, like these these type of bands didn't put out eight to ten minute songs like Bruce Springsteen put out ten minute songs. Um, but you have you have a one six minute song sin and one eight and a half minute song where the river goes. And it's such a good, good album. It's I I, I can listen to it now. And if, if you ever drive by me on the highway and I'm bopping my head around and. <laughs> air drumming then you I'm, pro- I'm probably listening to this album <laughs> and I would say uh, the, the song that I think represents this album really well would be Cracker Man I don't even want to know what, what's it about. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I think this like the song, like your Van Halen, like the lyrics. That's the thing, though, because I and I'm gonna see like REM. REM, it's more about the music and the 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 uh, what's the word? Not the tones, but it, the, just the the melodies, right? Yeah. Uh, this album is really just more about the the instrumentation and the and the the it's the the balls out playing the guitar playing the drums, and I'm gonna I'm gonna have an album later I'm gonna talk about that it's purely I mean music's good obviously but it's lyrically one of my favorite albums, um, so you know every album brings something different to the table of what of, and, and creates a different mood for me so depending on what mood I'm in or how I'm feeling like I can put one of these albums in and really uh jam to it so this is an album where i wasn't really about the lyrics it was really about the 
the music and and the the proficiency with their instruments and, and Scott Weiland's voice. That's awesome. Yeah, we, so we need to make uh we need to add to the Nerdomy playlist, which I think I started a long time ago. I just never added to it. Well, we haven't done a music show in a while. Yeah, we haven't. When was the last? What was the last one we did? I think it might have been eighties hairbands. Was it? That was a fun show. Oh wait, oh. did we do a Valentine's mixtape this past year? Valentine's twenty twenty one. I want to say we probably did, but I could be wrong. I don't know. We we go through this all the time. We, we yeah. say we did shows. We have no idea what we did anymore. <laughs> well, speaking of hair bands, Jonathan, uh, the next album. This came out in ninety one. Oh, ninety. Maybe it was ninety. Early again. Again, I'm really stuck in that 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 weird transition of, of playing guitar music and stuff. And the name of the group is Extreme. Weird though, right? If you look up like the albums, it's actually like this one's called Extreme Two Pornography. What the heck is two? You know? Did you know? I don't even know. Maybe their second album. I guess, but how it's like written looks like the name of the group is Extreme Two, but but it's Extreme. Oh, seriously. Yeah, yeah. So this is a cool album, and I'll tell you why, dude. Extreme. Yeah, Extreme, and I think I think it's because. Unlike Van Halen, it's it's pretty consistent as the kind of music you're gonna get, you know, tip, typical like heavy drums, heavy with Eddie, and you know, great singing from Sammy, and Extreme. Th- this particular album is very different. You know, you can go from like I would say the most popular song was probably More Than Words, you know, and that's basically oh, like, yeah, that's basically Extreme Unplugged, which is like a really big thing. Remember back in the in MTV, they had this segment called Unplugged. You can only bring yeah. your acoustics and stuff. And the video was shot in black and white. It was a cool song. Uh, took me by surprise. Um, hey, dude, I remember one time. Well, you remember where I lived in college, right? So off of 22 uh, East. Yeah. And I was getting gas. And I don't know why I was not driving my Jeep. But I was driving my dad's Fiero GT. <laughs> and I remember getting gas and the song came on, and the gas attendant dude, he's like, turn it up, man. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I was like, turn it up. I'll never forget that memory. But yeah, so you have a song as soft as like like more than words. And then they go into like really heavier songs, like He-Man, Woman Hater, you know, um, Get the Funk Out. I mean, it's, it's a really cool, very diverse album of like ups and downs and and different types of songs and uh and like when you think like like rock guitarists and stuff you know like i said before eddie van halen in my opinion is probably like king and, and then you have this newcomer his name is um nuno betancourt and yeah, nuno. he came out of nowhere and that dude was shredding it was unbelievable and like it's it, it's important to say these kind of things because there was a time in the 90s where everyone was like the guitar player you know, like mm-hmm. uh, the dude from, uh, was it Winger? Vivo Brad, I think his name. I mean, everyone was like the guitar player. The dude, CeCe DeVille from Poison. And then comes this dude, Nuno, at the very end of like the long-haired band. And the uh, probably him and Slash, I guess, were probably like the last heavy yeah, guitar player at that time. And, and uh, yeah, he was considered like a fresh face and... Uh, here's this is one dude i can't keep up with i just i just i can't it was impossible for me and and uh and but the music's good it's a good album i would say like i was counting like 
how many songs I like per album, like going through my list, you know, like like for Van Halen's album, I, I liked almost all. And this one, I would say at least out of the 13 songs on this album, I probably like a good half, six to seven, I would say, at least. And like I said, they are they are very, very different. I, I wish, I wish, not, not, I'm not going to say I wish grunge didn't happen, but they, a lot of these, like, big bands just kind of died i mean that style of music i would say guns and roses was probably the last what were they the last like the last of a dying breed of like rock guitarists i guess uh yeah i would say i would say it wasn't until and i've been having this debate with everybody that would well not debate i would have this discussion with anybody that would discuss it with me is like because i'm trying to think of like what is what are the rock and roll bands of today and the earliest like the latest i can think is Foo Fighters, but they're over 25 years now. So I'm thinking when um, Dave Grohl became guitarist and lead for Foo Fighters, that was the next rock rock. Yeah, guitarist. yeah. You know? No, yeah, you're right. That that sounds pretty accurate. I would say. Now again, we're you know we're not music aficionados, so I'm sure there's these these people we haven't heard of that that tear it up. Um, and and I was gonna say Nuno Betancourt is one of those guys. That because Extreme really never did anything popularly wise after this album. Yeah, but Nuno yeah. Ben, one of those, he's one of those guys that other guitarists say is a great guitarist. Yeah, so he might not have the popularity, the world, or whatever the 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 famousness of it, but he's very well respected within the community, and and um you know is is he's known as a guitarist guitarist, and uh, um, I can pick three songs off this album that I. I can listen to like right now and it's obviously more than words he man woman hater and uh wholehearted i love yeah. wholehearted that's a good song i like that song yeah, yeah it's fun detuned guitar also hey uh when when richie sambora so we have to talk bon jovi like every music podcast we do but richie sambora did he leave was that in the 90s when he left bon jovi he left for a little while because well, or was john it sooner went than that? solo john went solo for a bit he um, did young guns the soundtrack which was a, a good something album, actually. I, I don't know because they fight i guess i don't know but he left and he also had he had, he had some rehab issues right I believe Richie Sambora. I think he was an alcoholic or something. If I'm wrong, I apologize. But he left, and then he came back like in the 2000s. And then he left again, like within the past 10 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So Richie, what, where is he on the? Is he considered a, a very good guitarist or? Who? Oh, Richie, Richie Sambora? Sambora. You know what I heard? You know, reading Guitar World magazine that when people play with Richie, that they're actually very impressed with him. Like his finger strength and what he does with his guitar a lot of so if i'm talking about like like cc deville like those guys that came out of like the late 80s looked up to richie right. in, in regards to as a as a proficient guitar player and i mm-hmm. remember that he went solo and I, I i i bought his album and it just wasn't the same i mean you can tell his expertise on how good of a guitar player he is but wow without without john's 
voice behind it, something was missing, you know. But but then again, John's well, when he went solo, I thought he did fantastic when he did that Young Bloods yeah. two album. I thought that was great. Young Young Guns, yeah. He, I I will tell you this. So this past weekend, I saw a live Bon Jovi concert that was broadcast to drive-ins. Yeah. Like, obviously, you can't go, you know, there's still not letting people go to live events. You know, we've talked before how, just I guess because of age and overuse, Bon Jovi's not hitting those notes the way he used to, so he's changing how he's singing the song. But you definitely hear the difference. It Like, I never realized it before, but, like, you, like I, I don't know. Difference in how he's singing, like, you mean? What do, what do you mean? No, I mean, you, like, I know it's not Richie playing guitar. Like, there's just, like, I don't know if it's just a signature way he plays or... Oh, you mean Richie's not with a band anymore? No, Richie hasn't been with the band for probably ten years at this point. I didn't know um, that. <laughs> no, you could, oh, wow. you could, you definitely know it's not Richie on on Living on a Prayer. You know it's not Richie on Wanted Dead or Alive. You definitely know it's not Richie on Wanted Dead. And I'm not saying the guy that that plays for them is bad, but it just doesn't sound because I've seen them in concert in the past since 1986. I've seen them in concert yeah. many times, and when they're at their height, they. They killed it. John's voice killed it. Richie and the other guys killed it. But I don't know. It's it's. I guess I like. I think you would know if Eddie wasn't playing on the Van Halen song. Right, if everybody yeah. else was there, but Eddie it was a different guitarist, you would know it. And yeah. it's like that with these Bon Jovi songs because they're so, especially the more iconic ones. Like I'm like, this doesn't sound like Richie. Like especially when they do their solos, this doesn't sound like a Richie solo. Oh, who's um, left from the band but, now? So so Richie left, and didn't one of their the keyboard player left too? I think the keyboard player got kicked out. Um, <laughs> I think it's sick. just Tico Torres and Bon Jovi, John Bon Jovi, the wow. drummer, the drummer. In, yeah. Okay. They were good. I mean, it was a great time. The concert was great, but it it, it was different. Yeah. Well. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, Nuno Betancourt, yeah, he uh, he wrote all the tracks with Gary Sharon. Yeah. Who later yeah. on went to be the next singer in Van Halen. Did you buy that album? I did. Boy, that was really bad, you know. And so, I like I I I like David. I liked Sammy, and you know, I thought, well, you know, you still have the core, you know, members of the band. You know, it. it wow, with Gary singing, it really sounded like extreme. <laughs> it was it was amazing that oh, really? it was pulling me in the other direction versus towards Van Halen. Yeah, it was because Gary's. It was interesting. Gary's has a big range vocally. And it was amazing how much it really pulled me away from Van Halen with his voice. Like I was, it was almost listening to two bands at the same time. You know, Gary would open his mouth; Ooh. it's extreme. But then you would hear Eddie play his guitar, and that's Van Halen. And so, yeah, so I think they only lasted. It, it, it was a good. No, I think they lasted one album, and, and it was. Oh it yeah. was, it yeah, was yeah, done for was Gary. Good. Yeah, yeah, it was bad. Uh. Too bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my next album is uh, uh, I effing love this album. Like when this album came out, it's like a godsend to me. Um, oh, okay. It didn't change my life or anything. I, I just love this album so much, and it was such a new at the time. It was such a new sound I hadn't heard. You know, I, I think I might have spoken about this before. It's, I think it's well known to the people that listen to our show that I love Bruce Springsteen. You do. Um, but I always have this thing with Bruce where I'm always playing catch up with him. Like after Born in the USA, he released Tunnel of Love and then he released two albums on the same day in the 90s. And I didn't like them at the time. 
And it's because, you know, Bruce writes about what's going on in his life and what's going on around him and what he's thinking and whatever. And I just wasn't mature. You know, Tell of Love is about his marriage and his eventual divorce, his first marriage. Oh, I didn't know that. I was, I was like 18, 17 years old. Like, what do I care about this? And then, so Bruce in the 90s for me, I kind of, and I regret it now, but I didn't go to his shows. And he broke up the East Street Band, too. I was a little mad at him. <laughs> like, huh. he broke the East Street Band up during the 90s. So I didn't go to any of his shows, and, and I didn't buy any of the albums. I've, I've since gone back and gotten all the albums. So I was always playing catch-up with Bruce. But this album, August 13th After by The Counting Crows, comes out. And I'm hearing lyrics. It was, the first thing I said was like, oh, these guys listen to Bruce Springsteen. The, it's it's lyrically very very much a Bruce album. Musically... It's their own sound. It's and, and I don't I don't know and I certainly will say it's very much a Bruce Springsteen album to insult them. And maybe that's even the wrong thing to say. You can hear Bruce's influence, and they're influenced by other people too, obviously. But this was such a melding of sounds I didn't like I was missing these sounds and didn't even realize it. So when this album came out, it just clicked with me. And the first song was a huge hit in nineteen ninety three. Uh, Mr. Jones. Everybody was singing it. Everybody, everybody could sing. Uh, you know, knows it. Everybody remembers the video of him jumping around. It's really just a video of them playing the song in like a living room. He's just hopping around, jumping around as he's singing, uh, just having pure joy as he sings the song. And just the album really surprised me. It's how good it was. Uh, you know, they had quite a few hits off this album. They had um, "Round Here," "Mr. Jones," um, "Rain King." I think was a big one too. From start to finish. It's just such a great album, and it's it's kind of it's folksy, it's rock, it's got like a little twinge of like that West Coast vibe. You know, I was talking to Jay about the Red Hot Chili Peppers recently, and I said, Jay, has anybody, you know, because they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and I'm like, and they kept saying, oh, they, they you know, they like discovered or they founded this California sound or you know, rock sound, blah blah blah, and I'm like, Jay, like if they did that, like who followed them that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, who who did they influence where we can hear their roots in, in, in that? And we couldn't think of a band that followed them. Hmm. So when I say when I say Calvin Crows has like a California vibe to it, it's not that Red Hot Chili Pepper kind of sound. It's just a different way of living. And you, you've lived on both coasts, so you know that it's very different. Oh, yeah. You know, and I visited the West Coast and the West Coast is so much more laid back. It's ridiculous. So it's that it's Adam Duritz, and I think he he writes everything. I think he even does the music for everything. And and I think Counting Crows is one of those bands where Adam Duritz is the lead singer and the writer, and the musicians behind them are constantly changing. I don't know that they've been the same band since 1993, but they're wow. still the Counting Crows. You know, there's an earnestness in here's the lyrics that I think is definitely inspired by Springsteen and, and a couple of other bands, probably Dylan, of course. It's a sound that isn't what's the best way to say it. The music's not rushing. He's letting you feel. He's very emotive when he sings. So he lets. There's space in between the words and the music and the songs for you to feel what he's trying to get across. And I think that's a wonderful skill. And they they never. I don't think they ever got bigger than this album. They, their first two or three albums were, were did very well, but this is a band who still doesn't get they don't get a lot of play on the radio or anything anymore but i'm still buying their albums and hmm. they've yet to really disappoint me like i i can tell you honestly i i can't say oh boy that album they really crapped the bed in this album <laughs> you know yeah like there there's always gonna be songs on most of the albums i don't 
prefer, but there's nothing I can't I can say that this is not a good album, you know. Right. Um, uh, the, the the downside of this is I've seen them in concert a few times, and I saw Kevin Crows and Stuntown Pods in the same year, within months of each other, at the same place at the Beacon Theater in New York. And Scott Weiland destroyed. It was like one of the best concerts I've ever been to. And they only had the one album. They only had Korat at the time. It was a fantastic. So a couple months later, I'm like, all right, I'm going to count, I'm going to Counting Crows. I can't wait to hear, hear to see this. And the dude doesn't sing the songs like they're on the album. He he just like it. Why do you do just that? Didn't sound like I don't know. I, it's just it's just, he adds lyrics. He takes out lyrics. He lets the musicians kind of jam almost. They've almost become like a jam band. And and I saw them a few years later in the outdoor arena, and everybody around me was smoking pot. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, are these guys like? No, then I started thinking like, oh, I wonder if Counting Crows is like one of these. Are they like slowly turning to like this jam band type, like this fish? Or one of those type of bands. Right. So I don't know. I haven't seen them live since then. I mean, the second concert was much better. The second concert was great because he goes, we're going to do something different when he got on stage. He goes, we're going to do August and everything after from beginning to end. So the whole show was just that first album from beginning to end. No kidding. Um, That's bizarre. That was a good, that was, yeah, that was, that was a good show. Um, but the first one, I was like, dude, I don't know. I, I was like, I don't know what's happening. This is not a good show. But yeah, it's a great album. If, if you're going to listen to it, yeah, of course, Mr. Jones. But listen to Anna Begins. Anna Begins is one of the saddest, loveliest, sweetest songs I've heard. And I love that song so much. She can't stop shaking. And I can't stop touching her in this time. falls like rain. It washes her away. And Anna begins to change her mind. That's yeah. pretty deep, but you would if they if they had a concert right now, you would jump all over it. You think? I probably would. Yeah. My next album. Look, I got out of I got out of the early nineties. Nineteen ninety four. I made it. This is this album is a big stretch for me, especially if you know me. This is kind of music I don't typically listen to and stuff, but uh, it's Boys to Men, and the album is is their album. I guess it was just called Two, or yeah, just just Two. And yeah, uh, this, I, I don't know about this album, man. I don't know why I was so in love with this dang album. I play this stupid album like all the time, like on repeat over and over. And not it was over and over. And it was only like maybe the last five songs of the album because I think it's a pretty big album. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, okay, yeah, thir- 13 tracks, it looks like. Oh, on a wiki it says 14 tracks. I think just the last half of the album I'm just so in love with. And I again, I couldn't tell you why. It's it's a it's music I don't typically listen to, uh, but for some reason I just think it's such a good album. And their voices just sound so like, uh, like like their voice like the it's four guys right boys to men. It, it was like they yeah. were created at, in a test tube. Like okay, we're gonna create the the most perfect voices that match together, and boom, came boys to men, and that's exactly what happened. They they came out of a test tube. They're it's just so, they just are so perfect together. And I think one of the guys actually left the band too. The dude with the, like the really deep voice. I think I think he he left. Yeah, the I think band. I think he's got like, I think he had like throat problems or something. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, because they're, they're still around. There's only three of them though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 too bad. Like I said, I 
I, I really enjoyed uh, the, their album and, and their music and stuff. I, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I don't think I would want, would want to watch them in concert, though. I wouldn't even know what to do. Like, like, like Celine Dion. What do you do at a Celine Dion concert? Do you stand? Or do you, do you sit I got down? a story. I got a story about that in my next album, I'll tell you. <laughs> okay. Was, yeah. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's a great album. Well, they harmonize, and it's look, it's that, it's the music you put on when you're about to get down and dirty with someone. You know, <laughs> that's the album you put on. That's another way. Especially of Especially it. just everybody had this album. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, it was it was a, it was an amazing album. But <laughs> what do you do at a boys to men concert? I don't know. I guess it's sick. So, I guess their big songs were "Thank You," "I'll Make Love to You," "On Bended Knee," "Water Runs Dry." Right, I guess those are the biggest ones from that world. Yeah, Unbended Knee is probably my favorite one off, off that album. I mean, I played that one on loop. Can you tell me how a perfect love goes wrong? Can somebody tell me how to get things back the way they used to be? Oh God, give me. sure oh dude I'm a, I'm a motown philly guy from their first album i'm all about that's motown a good song philly. that's a fun one yeah <laughs> absolutely well, was it bell bib devoe they discover them bell bib devoe discover them yeah yeah that's yeah. pretty neat that's that's pretty cool how they all help each other out uh yeah that's all my list no oh, okay and my last album is gonna be this one is a shock to me i mean Back then, when I was like, I can't believe I like this album. But uh, I worked at Banana Republic for a little bit. And, you know, when you go into these retail stores, they have music playing. Yeah. And so every month, Banana Republic would get a new CD. And it was the CD you played all month, all day, all day, all month. <laughs> so uh, while I was working there, you know, I was hearing the same CD over and over again. And... Uh, there was one performer that had two songs on that month's CD. And I just really, really started to like them. So the performance Sarah McLaughlin. And so I bought the album that they, they were on, and it was Surfacing. Two biggest hits from Surfacing were Building a Mystery and Sweet Surrender. Well, actually, Adia was big, too. And Angel. She had, she had like four big songs on this <laughs> um, And I think the ones I was hearing was Sweet Surrender and Building a Mystery. And they just kept looping, and I really, really like Sweet Surrender. Uh, but this is such a sweet, melodic album. And this is a song I mentioned earlier about the lyrics. The lyrics to each one of these songs are so deep. And, you know, where I was, and this is the late 90s, I think the album came out in 97. You know, I was out of college, I was working, you know, dealing with relationships. And, uh, like, I could find meaning in every one of those songs and relate it to something going on in my life at some wow. point. And it's because she's a wonderful lyricist. And she's also obviously a good musician, too. But this was and this is the height of remember when there are a lot of women like having hit songs. And, and I think Lil Fair started. I think she mm. started that. So I was a little surprised that I, I liked her um, so much. And then she actually a couple years after this, she put out a live album, which is really, really good. And uh, she had me hooked after the live album. But yeah, it's just it's just a really really good album. It's 
musically and lyrically one of the one of the best albums of that era i think do yourself a favor and listen to the song do what you have to do it's so bittersweet it's kind of a i don't know what else to do you're you know you have to do what you have to do and i'll have to deal with with the repercussions and i guess it's an ending of a relationship it sounds like um it's just so sad and so like sweetly sad and it's heart-wrenching and if you're if you're I'm pretty sure I was going through a rough patch in a relationship at the time. And this song was on, like, this song was on repeat. (laughs) Every moment marked with apparitions of your soul. I'm ever swiftly moving, trying to escape this desire. Hey, what album is that song that she did, Rainbow Connection? Was that off of like a specific album? That's off like a, a compilation album of like kids' song, I think. Oh, that's, that's, a, that's her a, that's rendition's on, amazing. Yeah, oh, that's a beautiful rendition, isn't yeah. it? So, mm-hmm. so you're talking about what do you do at a Celine Dion concert? Yeah. So sleep, I, I bring actually, a pillow. My, my sister, huh? You bring a pillow. No, so I went. I went to a Sarah McLaughlin concert with my sister-in-law because she liked her too. And we were like fourth row, dude. Wow. We were like a con- Airlines- yeah, we were a Continental Airlines Arena. And she comes out, and you know, a lot of her, she's got a band, but she, a lot of her songs are piano and, and, and acoustic guitar. Um, and I, I like, because she doesn't have any rocking songs where you get up and sing along. And so we just, we sat in the chairs, right? Yeah. And she played. And when she was done, we clapped. Oh, <laughs> that was just it. like it that. Like, it was so weird because you, I mean, you're not at a rock concert, but you know you're used to. It was so weird, man. Like she played these songs, and we'd be listening, and you'd sing along, but not like you were at a Bon Jovi concert. You kind of sing under your breath, and yeah, and she she'd go, you clap, and there's some woo. I think I let out a woo a couple of times, and uh, that's it. Like, but but you don't. There's no song where you just get up. Wow, it was the weird. weirdest. It's the weirdest. It was a wonderful show, but it was weird in that sense. Like I'd never been to a show like that since, where you just sat there and just clapped. I mean, when she, when it was over, you got up, you hooted, you standing O and all that stuff. But during the show, I mean, it was just weird. Like people got up to go to the bathroom while she's singing, which normally isn't rude, but just because of the way things were going, you're like, oh, that's kind of rude because <laughs> it's very obvious. This person's oh, right, because time. everyone's so quiet yeah. and stuff. Everybody's sitting down. Yeah, it was really weird, but it, I mean, it was a great show, but it was just weird. So would you say, is it one of your top concerts have you ever been to? I mean, um, well, you, you would do well, it again. Oh, yeah, yeah. I would say it's one of the unique ones. I, I Look, I've been in some great spring scene shows. I've been in some great U2 shows. Some awesome Bon Jovi shows. Um, yeah, this it was just I would do it again because I love her music. It, it was definitely a weird experience. In, in terms of being like a great show, like a rocking show, it wasn't that at all. Wow! But she's got a great voice live. I'll tell you that much. Oh, does she really? She's not auto tuned. She's not. She's not lip syncing or auto tuned. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> wow! But you know what? I commend because. Like, I joke with my daughter all the time. I know there's a lot of artists out there that, that write and play their own music. I just stress, oh, no, they don't. You know, like, it, to me, it seems like uh, musicians today are just, 
manufactured if they have the right look. Uh, auto-tuned, you mentioned, you know, they're, they're creating the studio versus um, someone that's, you know, writing their music and they're starting from the bottom and they're working their way up without, like, like uh, instant sensations, you know, like on YouTube or something like that. And uh, I was never a big Sarah fan. And you turned me on to her music because uh, what the hell happened? I think, like, you, we had access to share our music collection at one time through America Online. And, uh, and I remember you had, like 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 one of her albums and i was like whoa god she is good and i again that's not my type of music at all and you're right yeah. she is an incredible performer um i don't know if i'd see her concert though i think it'd be one of those things where i don't know I, i'd be rude and fall asleep i i think i hate to say it but i no, probably would i don't think you'd fall asleep i well here's the first thing and i don't you know you and i wouldn't go to this together that Aww. would just, be weird. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. But I, I don't think you told. It was. I'm not saying it wasn't entertaining. Yeah, I, it was just different. You know what I mean? Like, especially in the beginning, I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Because <laughs> you, you almost feel like you feel like you're being weird, or that you don't like the music when you're just sitting there listening. Right. Make, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it feels like you're not showing your appreciation for her or for the music because you're just sitting there quietly listening. But the music doesn't lend itself to you being loud because then you just be interrupting. Right. <laughs> you know? I gotcha. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Hey, well, it, was good, it was a good show. I definitely did the end, but you know, it, it was, yeah, yeah, I'm not rocking out. I'm not, I'm not tailgating into the parking lot before the gig. Uh, before <laughs> the show. Hey, so the last concert you saw was just recently then, right? It would be Bon Jovi. If, well, yeah, if you count that, because I watched him. He played live, but it was broadcast to, to drive-in theaters. Okay, so what what was the last live concert that, that you attended? Well, that's live. Wouldn't that be considered live? Yeah, I mean, I consider it live. I paid for it like it was live. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, he was performing in, in real time. It wasn't like a recording. Yeah. You know? Um, I think... The last live show was probably a Springsteen show back in... 18 maybe i don't know i mean if you don't count yeah because my music like i am so not up to date on current music um dude there was a time where i could keep up the date on music and i kept technology and it all just went past me (laughs) i don't know what's these kids are listening to the these kids are listening to like i don't even know like the names of some of these performers don't even make sense to me Hey man, so, I uh, saw ACDC. I think the name of the album was called Black Ice. That place was rocking. And I remember watching Angus Young. He's on stage. And I'm like, how's, how's he going to do this? Because he's an old guy, you know? Right. And uh, you see him, like, he starts off a little slow. And then as he does the concert, he pulls back and he's drinking something. I'm like, oh, here it comes. And dude, maybe by song two, he was like on fire for the rest of the night. I was like, wow, there's something in in that juice and stuff. But that was a rocking concert. I I stood the whole entire time and I was completely deaf for maybe a day or two. It was unbelievable. And I couldn't talk. My throat was gone. You know, you got that concert voice. Like, whoa, I can't talk anymore. Uh, but yeah, that was, and that was, God, that was, it may have been 2018. I, I don't know the exact year, but it was a while back. No, it's got to be more than that. It's got to be way more than like, that. Like, I'm I'm trying to think of who I would want to see. I think I'd want to see the Foo Fighters. Um, they sound fun. 
Yeah, I saw like I saw Bon Jovi a bunch of times. I saw Train actually; they were good. Yeah, but I hear they're, they're good live. Show. Huh? Yeah, I heard that. I heard Train's good uh, live. Yeah, Train Train was good live, and um, yeah, I don't I don't know who I'd go see again. Like I I think Bruce was going to tour this year because he put in an album last year, so I think he was planning on touring this year until everything happened. So hopefully he'll go out in twenty two. But he's he's seventy years old. He's probably seventy one by now, and. I don't know, man. I don't know how many. Well, who knows? I mean, what's his name still doing it? Mick Jagger's still doing it. You know who who I saw live too recently when I moved up to California? Check out this lineup, dude. It started off with Cheap Trick, then it goes to Poison, then it goes to Def Leppard. I mean, that was like the, the weirdest thing. And who's the singer of Def Leppard? Is it Joe Elliott? Um, yeah, Joe Elliott. He, I think I told you this story before. He comes out and he says, and you can hear him, he goes, hey guys, I got laryngitis. We're like, what the hell? You know, but he tried so hard that night to sing as best he could. And when it came to the high notes, he just did that, you know, point the mic to the crowd and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was a fun concert. But that night, dude, ACDC was playing down in in uh, in Fresno. And I turned to my brother. I said, ah, oh, dude, we should have went to ACDC. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, yeah, I think those are the only, like, last two concerts I went to. But yeah. Now, did you see Journey with the new guy or no? No, not live. No, but I did meet him though. He was on. He was on one of my flights. Actually, that dude must be oh, like five cool. two. That dude is tiny. You know, yeah. not even height. Just like pure stature. I mean, he could have passed as a fourteen year old. You know, he's he's oh, like tiny. But anyway, hey, that was a fun show, man. Yeah, I love when we do our music shows. Yeah, it's, it's always good, and I and I, I learn a lot too. There are a lot of music that that, that you bring up that. It's not that I don't like it. It's just I, I'm just not familiar with. And then, like, yeah, like really I said before the show, I popped in Spotify. I'm like, oh, wow, now I have to listen to this album now. You know, because it sounds good. So I'm, I'm glad I, I got to listen to your picks and stuff. Um, yeah. Anything else? Yeah, I want to. I know you're going to bring it up. but Yeah, well, all right. So, uh, Nerd Me listeners, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we paused the show so Alan could watch the Shang-Chi trailer. And he came back with one of our best reactions ever uh so i texted him this morning the trailer for the eternals which came out and uh, alan what did you think <laughs> well i'm gonna read the text the ex- like the exact words that i used god we text too much i have to scroll like really really deep i said well, you said well, you sent me the link so now now like when you send me these links i gotta watch it right away because apparently like you'll send me links and i forget to click on them so you sent me the link and this is my exact words what the f did I just watch? That was complete garbage. It was. Did you get anything out of that trailer at all? Out of the Eternals trailer? I didn't get anything out of it. Well, it's a it's a teaser. It's not really supposed to give you a lot. Who's money. the bad guy? I don't know, but they give. And you who are these people? Came, <laughs> apparently, well, I mean, but the trailer makes it look like they're aliens, right? Yes, because yeah. they say we've been helping them in the comic books. They were humans experimented on by the Celestials. Okay. So they were still human beings, but they weren't out. So I don't know. I don't know. And that last, you know what made me worried about this trailer? That, that, did you see the very end where they're sitting around the dinner table or whatever? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that was supposed to be like a funny joke. Yeah. And I'm like, why is this funny? <laughs> and they're like, oh, very funny. Yeah. Yeah. So wow. one of them asks, you know, now that Captain America and Iron Man are gone, who's going to lead the Avengers? And I'm pretty sure the guy that said, I could do it is the leader of the Eternals and oh, they all okay. just kind of looked at each other and they started laughing oh that's like that's I don't comforting. have 
like is he a goofball? Is he incompetent? Like we don't have the background needed to make that a joke. <laughs> right. Know? Yeah. Okay, so we mentioned before that when Guardians of the Galaxy came out, we saw the trailer. I I I will, I'll definitely admit. I was like, "Oh, this is going to be Marvel's first failure." Only because they picked a property that I didn't think a lot of people knew. I didn't know. I mean, I read the Guardians of the Galaxy, but they were not the people I saw on screen. And I walked out of that movie like, holy crap, that was good. But the right. trailer didn't bother me as bad. It was just like, okay, well, there's a trailer. I didn't know much about it. This one was just... It, I mean, that's what the movie's like. I, I don't. I can't. I can't understand how you can play that trailer and I get excited about it. I was more excited with the Disney Plus trailers of Winter Soldier and even Wandavision more right. than this Eternals. Yeah. You know, I, I, it's well, clueless. I, I will say, the Guardians trailer had humor in it, and Chris Pratt just has one of those personalities. I don't know that anybody in this movie, at least in this trailer, exuded any kind of like personality i mean angelina jolie's in it sama hayek's in it was she in the trailer i didn't even notice her was she in the trailer uh, which sama one? hayek i think she was in the end she narrates it though she's the one talking i think oh is that what it is i mean I, I, yeah. besides angelina jolie who to me is a standout i mean yeah you know everyone else i was like huh what's going on even without me knowing I'm- what was going on that trailer was just so bad yeah, yeah. I'm concerned. This is gonna be one of those movies where there's so many people in it. I'm not gonna know who who it, who each person is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like they'll say their name that? once and I'll forget it. You have a big ensemble like that. Like, how much of that movie is gonna be the backstory of you know seven different or eight different? I don't know how many people were there. Eight different people that's gonna be right. taken away from that movie when you just have to figure things out. I mean, it's I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I mean, well, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna see it, right? Okay, give me your last, all right, bottom three worst Marvel movies. Bottom three. Bottom three? Yep. Uh, Captain Marvel. Yep. Dark World. Dark, yeah, that was that was not great either. Maybe Iron Man 2, but I don't, I don't mind Iron I Man 2. Didn't mind, I, I didn't like Iron Man 3 as much um, with the little kid. Iron Man 3 I didn't like in the beginning, but it's grown on me. Okay. I'm trying to think if there's anything besides. I liked Black Panther. I liked. Yeah, I'd have to go Iron Man too, but it's, it's there's a huge. First Thor doesn't do gap. it for me. First of all, there's a huge gap between Captain Marvel, which I think is the worst, and Thor: The Dark World, which I think is pretty bad, but not. There's a huge gap there. There's another huge gap between Iron Man two and Thor: The Dark World. Mm. Yeah. Where do you think this is gonna fall? Based obviously we didn't see the movie. Based on the trailer alone, is this a bottom five or a top five? No, I think it's a middling. I think it's an Ant Man. I think it's. I think we'll leave there going. Okay, that was kind of satisfying, and it moves the story forward. Yeah. I I don't know. uh Shang Chi. So we got Black Widow coming out, which I'm really excited for. Shang Chi. I'm like okay, and then Eternals, and I'm like okay, and then Spider Man. So. If we go two for four this year, I'm fine with that. I'm feeling Shang Chi is going to be on like the bottom, the bottom third of of the Marvel movies. Eternals Probably. could be in the middle. I only think again. I'm just joking with the trailer. I mean, I didn't care for it, but you know, Feige knows what he's doing. This is the first, what like the big turnaround in re- in regards to the next chapter in the Marvel universe, right? The big big turnaround. Right. I mean, Black Widow is considered. 
you know, the, the other movies. Yeah, I think and, that's the last last phase. It, um, exactly. So Eternals is is it. This is like the big stepping on point for a lot of people. I think they're going to do – I'm sure they're going to do a good job with it. Uh, but in regards to excitement, wow. I don't know. The thing is this. There has to be a reason they chose these characters to give movies to, Shang-Chi, Eternals. Because it's not like these are characters whose books sold very well. Right. You know? So I don't know what the plan is. Uh, you know, Secret Invasion or Celestials or Kang or whatever. But you you got you to gotta figure Eternals are going to play a part in it. And Shang-Chi in some way is going to have to play a part in it. I think they're making the Eternals because it fits exactly with whatever this big daddy's going to be. Mm. Oh, you know okay, I mean? that, make, that makes more thing. sense. Yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe Kang is an Eternal from the future. You know, maybe they, have, I don't know. Is Kang, is is that confirmed Kang is the main bad guy? No, but he's he's, he's confirmed to be an Ant-Man, Quantumania. So. Doctor Strange too, as well, isn't that? No? I don't know. I don't. I don't remember hearing that. But he's an Ant Man, Quantumania, and you, you know, Kang. Kang's a big baddie in the comic, so you assume they they're introducing him. Then it's gonna yeah. be something, right? Yeah. Because Do we don't think... know. We don't. Well, Shang Chi is. We're assuming he's the Mandarin, right? Yeah. We don't know who the bad guy is in the Eternals. No. Spider Man, we think is gonna be a some kind of form of Sinister Six, but they're probably. I think. I think this third Spider-Man is setting is going to help set up the Sony Spider-Verse. You know what I mean? Right. With, with Venom and Morbius, right. and I think that might have been that might have been part of the deal to keep Spidey in the MCU. It was like, all right, we'll do this, but you got to help us. We don't know what we're doing. You got to help us set up our. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, know? I gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then. Um, and Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. they're going to still bring up Adam Warlock. I mean, they, that's how the second movie ended. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm assuming it's a search for Gamora because Thor's in it too. For right, for I don't know if he's in the whole thing or just for a little bit. But Thor's in it, and we oh, look. We don't know who the bad guy is. Anything in Love and War? We oh, well, the bad guy in Thor: Love and War is the God Killer or the God Butcher, played by Christian Bale. So that should be fun. Wow. All yeah. Right. So it's gonna be interesting. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, anything else? Oh, what's going on with Mom's Basement Collectibles? Uh, same stuff, man. I I sent you a picture today of all my DC comic books, my uh my boxed long boxes of DC. So they are officially no, that's not even true. I still have to go through them one more time to to really organize them. Um, so they're they're as organized as they've been in a long time. <laughs> and I'm starting I'm starting on my Marvel boxes. I have about oh my god, it's gonna take you a had, year. I had 18 DC long boxes, and I have about 22 Marvel long boxes. Yeah, it's fun going through it, though, seeing all these. Dude, but I got all these books from the 90s that I don't remember. Like, even my Amazing Spider-Mans, I'm like, I don't remember these stories at all. Man, I found a box of comic books. I don't know what I was smoking. I don't know why. I mean, I was buying really obscure uh, comic books and publishers, and I don't know what I did. And I, I don't know, maybe at the time I liked it at the time, but looking through it now, it's like, what was I thinking? But, uh, yeah, anyway. you know, it's really weird that the, the the books I read in the 80s have stuck with me. And I think it's, you know, as a kid, I read them over and over again. Whereas when I transitioned from being a reader to a collector, where, yeah, I read them, but I would read them once and put them away. Like right. seal a peg and put them away. Yeah. Whereas in the 80s, and that's why my 80s, most of my 80s comics look like crap. 
because I just read them over and over again. And even for a long time, I wouldn't put them in bags and boards. I don't want to spend the money for them on bags and boards. And they would just, you know, hang in like my Thors, which is awful because I have some pretty decent Thors yeah. and Captain America's. But they're not in great shape because I, I never bagged them. I just right. left them loose. Remember what Jerry bottom. said from our the, our other episode? He'd bring yeah. it to the toilet and they'd share. he'd share it amongst his brothers. And he had one Ugh. of them signed by... Who, who was it? Roll Simonson, I think. Yeah, and he's like this. He <laughs> like yeah. this. <laughs> Got to sterilize. But, yeah, but but those stories, man, I love so much. Like man, the eight, I hear you. And I have copious issues of Amazing Spider-Man that I know I read, but I couldn't tell you what happened though. But you and, know what? I mean, if I had to compare, some stories I blocked out one more day. <laughs> yeah, but you know that you make a very good point. The reason why I think that the comic books back in like the eighties and in like the early nineties is because they were weren't pushing for that shock value. They were just trying to push out good stories. Nowadays, it's it's complete shock value, and it, regardless of what the story is like, you know, if they can just write something that's completely shocking, well, then okay, well maybe we can sell some books that way. And but the story the story itself, I think, is just poo poo. That's just an assumption. I don't collect comic books anymore, but that's what it was feeling like towards the end, you know, uh, versus like you said, I could, man, I remember going to the comic book store with you. You and I would buy our books, go, go to the, go to, to this, like the office where we were supposed to be doing work, but we weren't. And we'd be like sorting the comic books in order, in a very specific order and how we're going to read the books. You know, we would sp- right. I would save Amazing Spider-Man for last because I, I just love the stories. And, and nowadays when I read these books, it, it just doesn't have that anymore. It's, it's, it's more the, the shock value, it seems like. Okay, that's, yeah. a, that's a topic I, for I will tell you, I, first of all, I want a picture of those books you found. Oh, um, yeah, okay, yeah, I got them, yeah. And then secondly, I started, I think I told you this, I started reading Amazing Spider-Man again, and it's, Nick Spencer's doing a pretty pretty good job on it. I'm enjoying his work. Um, and I, and I picked up Nightwing again too. So I'm reading Nightwing. Um, and you're and enjoying it too, really, right? I'm enjoying Nightwing. Yeah. I'm really, it's, it, yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. So, um, um I'm excited. Yeah. Dr. Indiana Jones, we're on scene seven and this is a big one. This Friday is Indy doing the little swap in the idol business. So that's going to be dropping this Friday. And, oh, okay. uh, yeah, pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, it's pretty d- neat, dude. Just just today, like I was chatting with one one of my friends through, through the IG account, saying, "Oh yeah, I got I got like most of it, but they're like there's a scene that no one wants to do, and then boom, out of the blue, someone reaches out to me and says, "Hey, can I can I participate?" So well, yeah, but this is a scene that I need, and she's like, "Well, absolutely." I'm like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> so that's all that. Uh, hey man, you can find us on Facebook at Nerdomy Podcast, Instagram Nerdomy, Twitter Nerdomy Podcast, YouTube Nerdomy Podcast. Oh man, I didn't prepare, man. The last show that we did called Choices, I had some people responding to like the the, the picks that we did. So we'll save that for the next show. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people yeah. chimed in and gave their choices and their reasonings behind it. I said, oh, this is pretty cool. So uh, let me write that down someplace, and we'll we'll tack it onto another show. Uh, anything else, my friend? No, man. Almost June. We're almost halfway through 2021. Ugh. Wow. <clears throat> <Yeah>. <laughs> Till next time. Martha! Bringing it old school. Peace. Peace.